The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3. Remember, smash that bell after you subscribe so you can get notifications for episodes like these. For those of you on the audio side, you see those sirens in your feed. You know exactly what that means. Emergency podcast because Notre Dame has decided that uh, instead of waiting around after Luke Fickle and Cincinnati finished the American Athletic Conference Championship game, instead of waiting around, uh, you know, until, I don't know, whoever else you might have wanted to interview, Matt Campbell's available, you could have called him already. <laughs> You've just decided to promote defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman. And there, there's a lot of other, you know, pieces to this. But, Tom, I, I actually haven't gotten a chance to discuss this with you coming hot off uh, – like turning from one computer to another from HQ to uh, here on the cover three podcast. But I, I think it was what they wanted to do just a little bit earlier than they wanted to do it. And here we go. Like if, if the bet works out, then Notre Dame is going to be in great hands for a very long time. If it doesn't work out, then maybe it was too early. And we'll look back on Brian Kelly and his move from Notre Dame as, you know, kind of putting a skid to what was a lot of a a good momentum and trajectory for the football program in general. So I like the hire, but it's like, I like it more when I think they wanted it to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, Chip, it's great to see you. It's been so long since we've talked to one another, but it's, I think that, I get what you're saying. I don't know that it makes that much of a difference because since this happened, Brian Kelly leaving for LSU, the players have not been shy about the fact, like Kyle Hamilton and a couple other players have not been shy about the fact that they think Marcus Freeman should have been the next coach or at least, you know, stuck around. So they were behind this. They were supportive of this. And it is kind of a sketchy situation. First of all, I think it's a good hire and it makes all the sense in the world yeah. because Marcus well, Freeman is a very good football coach. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is like you invested in him early. Like that's why you brought him in. Like mm-hmm. you brought him in because you're like, 
we think that you could be someone who could potentially lead this football program. That I feel like that has been the understanding from day one. It's just like, okay, I, yeah. good luck. And I mean, I've been, I've been saying for a few years that I feel like Marcus Freeman is a guy who deserves a head coaching opportunity because I thought he was great at Cincinnati, both from a recruiting standpoint, what he was doing with the Bearcats to help put them to the place where they are now in the American Athletic Conference, where they're kind of, we don't talk about it as much because it's a group of five, but he's kind of, Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, they've done to the AAC kind of like what Ohio State had done to the Big Ten, what Mario Cristobal is currently doing to the Pac-12. And Freeman had a lot to do with that. He's had a lot to do with the recruiting at Notre Dame the last couple classes since, you know, coming over there. It's just, well, I thought Marcus Freeman was going to be a head coach one day very soon. I didn't think he would be at Notre Dame. Well, there is the move that you're trying to save the recruiting class. They're like mm-hmm. currently ranked number five in the 2022 cycle, currently ranked number two in the 2023 cycle. And Freeman has been an important part of the plan uh, and the recruiting trail. So, yeah. If and Kyle if you're Notre Dame, if you're Notre Dame and you're looking at what's happening to Oklahoma right now, like that's part oh, of what you were saying. Oh, great like, call. Part of what you're saying, why this feels like it's too soon. It's like, well, if you're Notre Dame and you're staring at Oklahoma and you're seeing all those recruits flip, you're seeing Malachi Nelson decommit and then commit to USC. You see Jake Hayner transferring from Fresno State and going back to Washington with Kalen DeBoer, where, you know, Jake Hayner began his career before transferring to Fresno State. And you're thinking, okay, well, even if, if we want Marcus Freeman, we need to do it now because it helps keep the staff together. Or if you wanted Luke Fickle, can we really afford to wait that long? Because God knows what our recruiting class is going to look like by the time he becomes available. So I think that this definitely, that re- recruiting in that definitely plays a huge part in this. I think that they do have trust in Marcus Freeman. I think another big part of it is getting Tommy Reese to stay because sure. that's one of the things too, like about Brian Kelly leaving, like, now Freeman's taken over and Tommy Reese has taken over. And like Notre Dame's one of those teams where when you watch them play, even when they don't play well or when they lose, they don't make the play. They don't call stupid plays. Like you're not trying to figure oh, out. Okay, I got you. Like when, when Notre Dame mis- makes a mistake on defense, it's because somebody made a mistake. It's not a, well, what the hell are they in that coverage for? Or in on offense, when they screw up, it's somebody makes a mistake. It's why are they running that play on this down in this situation? They have smart coaches. They have smart coordinators who know what they're doing. So I think keeping Freeman and Reese together is huge for them going forward. And it at least keeps that continuity and it keeps these recruiting classes together. And it by having that much talent, it buys Freeman a little more time to kind of acclimate himself to a new role as a head coach. And he's got a really good offensive coordinator who he can leave that to. You know, he's going to be able to find somebody to help with the defense if he's not even still calling the defense himself. And he can more assimilate into the CEO role that we see so many head coaches taking on. So I think for that case, like a lot of things still have to work and it's a college football coaching hire, which is always a coin flip in most instances. I listen, Danny Cannell's not on here right now, but I I guarantee you he gives it a C plus like all of the hires. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot to like about it, but at the same time, there's also still some, you know, some concerns. He's only 35. He'll be 36. He's never been a head coach before. It's there's there's some wild cards, but it, it is my biggest fear with defensive coordinators becoming head coaches is always what's the offensive coordinator going to be. And so if Tommy Reese is there, then you're good. I'm more confident in the hire because I know what I, they're not going to try to do anything stupid on offense. They're going to keep doing what they've been doing, which has been very successful for them. I don't know if anybody's noticed. Yeah. Um, and they've been adaptable. Mm-hmm. Like this year, being able to 
realized that the old plan wasn't working because you were a little bit young, a little bit inexperienced, a little bit too much turnover. Like there's only but so many years that Notre Dame can lose NFL offensive linemen and then keep replacing them with more NFL offensive linemen. Like we're going to have a down year or a skip year at some point. I mean, um, there, all of these traditional, you know, whether it's a, a certain school with its quarterbacks, a, a certain school with its defensive backs, you always have a skip year. And look, this was the skip year. Mm-hmm. Right? Who's, yeah. I mean, am I, who's the um, NFL offensive lineman for Notre Dame right now? I mean, I, I think they have a couple, they don't have early round draft picks. They have guys who will be on NFL rosters and in training camps when they leave. But I, I think that this is also a situation where, like, the, especially early in the season, the offensive line was bad. Or not bad, but it wasn't what you'd expect. Because that and, was like they had to go up-tempo because the offensive line couldn't block exactly, for long enough. And that exactly. was, you know, like a very much a, a statement on the offensive line. But as the season's gone along, we've like you've seen the running game get better. You've seen Kyron Williams having much bigger games. Well, it's not like Kyron Williams sucked in September. Kyron Williams has been the same player all season long. He's just getting better blocking. So it's a unit that has improved as the season has gone along. Yeah, as we record right now, another five-star has decommitted from Oklahoma, a California kid who uh, might end up with uh, with Lincoln Riley like all of the other California prospects who are decommitting from Oklahoma. Um, T's and P's to Oklahoma fans right now because this has just been rough. Yeah. I just uh it's, it do, you don't want to be you don't want to be Tennessee. And I say that being ready to prepare myself for all the hate for that. <laughs> I'm uh, just no, saying. I think most Tennessee fans will be like, yeah, no, he's exactly listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. You don't want to be us. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be Tennessee. Um all right. So as we think about the immediate future, uh I we, I know you were waiting for me. Thank you for being patient. Coca, thank you for being patient. Um, but did you hear me shout out the Brian Kelly second loss joke with Hakeem Dermish on CBS Sports HQ? Yes. Okay, did I deliver it in a way that you approved of as yeah, no, yeah. the original screenplay for the joke? Yeah, but I still think Brian Kelly is their second loss. I still okay, think even, that's going to Even though, like, Even though we've got Marcus Freeman, even though Tommy Reese is staying in place, even though... For all intents and purposes, the product that we would assume from Notre Dame at the end of the regular season as it won its final game to finish 11-1, and we should expect as a college football playoff selection committee that we are going to get that same product if we put them at the number four spot to go up against Georgia because Georgia-Notre Dame sounds good. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I, I think it probably helps their case a little bit, but it's just... They still need a whole lot of help, but we've we've talked about it all year. I do think that having Freeman in place and that kind of continuity is good for their chances. I just don't think that it's really going to be a significantly huge thing if it's a close race. I think it keeps them in over a two-loss non-conference champion, though. A two-loss Alabama non-conference champion? Well, Alabama can't be a one-loss non-conference champion. Now can it? Nah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, who else would be in the mix for that? Ohio State is the primary one. Yeah. (laughs) Them and Alabama are my primary concerns. Or, yeah, no, that's it. That's really the only option. Or Oklahoma State. Sorry. Because if if Baylor loses or Baylor beats Oklahoma State, then they are also a two loss non conference champion who would still be 
technically in the mix. The yeah. yeah like, but listen, we are not going to have a college football playoff with both Baylor and Oklahoma state. It's like those NFL, like when you're watching an NFL game and they do the playoff graphics where it's like in the hunt. And right now there are like 14 of the 15 teams in each conference are still in the hunt. It's like that. Like the bears are in the hunt, but the bears aren't making the playoffs. Um, so what does this mean for the rest of the coaching carousel? Because, you know, Matt Campbell, you know, reported mutual interest, but uh, but no, no, that's not going to be Matt Campbell. Luke Fickle, Notre Dame was always the one one of the very few jobs that Luke Fickle would leave Cincinnati for. I think no, it's no, a huge no, win for Cincinnati fans. Oh, I think obviously, I, yeah, because I don't think Fickle wants the Oklahoma job, and so I don't think you have to worry about that. So if you're a Cincinnati fan, you could probably just rest easy tonight. Uh, I. The Oklahoma gig, when is that going to happen? And I, how much longer can they afford to wait? Or are they at the point where they're like, well, crap. Like we just said, you know, Relique Brown's gone now, too. We've lost so much from this class. Why, make, why hurry or hire trying to salvage what's already gone? I don't think Fickle would go to Oklahoma. No, I don't either. Okay. I think Fickle would rather. I, I think it's more likely that Fickle is coaching Cincinnati in 2022 than Oklahoma. Very much. I don't think he's interested in Oklahoma at all. Okay. Because we are at, listen, because that was my description of the LSU Brian Kelly hire, which is like, I don't know, best available. Like Luke Fickle is best available. Matt Campbell is best available. Everybody else is like lined up with the contract extension or, or come out or signaled otherwise. It's weird because it's like now I feel like in this environment with what's happened, I probably shouldn't say never about any coach because we could see Oklahoma come over the top with like a crazy godfather offer. And Luke Fickle says, well, you know, it's kind of the Midwest. I mean, they it's, are going to the SEC. Like yeah. they might as well bet on it, right? Yeah, yeah. So maybe never say never, but I really don't think that's he's turned down jobs before that are pretty big. And I thought he was going to take. So I don't know. But I don't I don't know where Oklahoma goes. Do you have who do you think Oklahoma ends up hiring right now at this very moment? That I don't know. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Okay. So, someone in the live chat, Tanner, I'm going to call you out, said Bruce Feldman just broke that Kiffin will be announced by Oklahoma tomorrow. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. No, I don't think it's true. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, so uh, we were told we were told by the Cover Three uh, live chat that Tulane had quit when Tulane proceeded to absolutely beat that ass against USF. I'm never going to read another comment on here again. Come on, I'm trying to involve the live. Coca, chat put here. put Tanner on timeout. <laughs> yes. Um, I I think that ultimately. Oklahoma might end up going with uh, a Mike Elko, a Brent Venables, like some kind of coordinator hire that just feels right. You know, like I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to be sexy. I think it's going to be something that you can sell for uh, building for the future. That's like a, a Brent Pry kind of hire where it's like, okay, that's not going to grab a bunch of headlines, especially compared to the other hires being made. But oh, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. Right. Exactly. Kind so. of like Billy Napier at Florida. You remember Billy Napier got hired by Florida the other day? Yeah. And then um, in the middle of Billy Napier getting hired by Florida, Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma yeah. to go to USC. It's one of those weird things. It's like, it's going to be the, I'm going to be reminding myself multiple times that Billy Napier is the coach at Florida because I guarantee I'll forget like four or five times over the offseason. Like, who's coaching the Gators this year? 
so how do you feel about the fact that everyone keeps coming back to this idea that like the ultimate end game for this being the craziest carousel ever is Ryan Day to replace Matt Nagy? Like that's what everyone keeps mentioning. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fickle's just waiting until uh, you know Ryan Day goes to the Bears. What's Ryan yes, Day's salary at Ohio State? But everyone wants to put him with Justin Fields. Like that's the that's the. Old, I mean, I don't need to explain this to you, but I, that's the way that it's always played out, right? Yeah. Um, I believe I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I think Ryan Day makes more annually at Ohio State than Matt Nagy makes with the Bears. The Bears are not exactly known for spending big on coaches. So my thought is that if Bryant Day ends up in the Chicago Bears, the Bears will have done something they have never done before. Coca put in the chat, he made $5.65 million in 2020. He is scheduled to make $7.6 million in 2022. So I'm guessing the Bears would probably have to go with like a five-year kind of $45 to $50 million deal. <laughs> no. No, they'll hire like Jason Garrett has a better chance of being the next head coach of the Chicago Bears than Ryan Day does based on history. So, all right, from the point of and like uh, I know we're taking this like congratulations if you just showed up. Marcus Freeman is a hire that we like. We are excited mm -hmm. about the future, but I don't want to leave this conversation. Um, the reasons that the NFL likes Ryan Day I've got my opinion. Why do you think they are? Like, why do you think that we have advanced Ryan Day down the line? Because this, of course, comes in the wake of the loss to Michigan and the Jim Harbaugh, you know, uh, you know, you were born on third base. You thought he, you hit a triple kind of quote. So that what about Ryan Day makes him a valuable? Because I agree. I think he is a valuable coaching candidate for any kind of job like that. That is not unreasonable by my standards, but why do you think that he is a plus value head coach? The same reason the NFL values Ryan Day for the same reason the NFL valued Steve Spurrier, for the same reason the NFL valued Chip Kelly, for the same reason the NFL took a 500 Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech and brought him into the NFL, for the same reason it's valued Lincoln Riley. The NFL, you need a quarterback to win a Super Bowl. You need a good offense. You need a good play caller. And we have seen in this modern era of coaching with guys in their 30s who grew up playing football and video games and therefore learned an understanding of what play calling was at a very young age have grown into the role and know how to do it and are doing a pretty good job at it and they've advanced the offense. So that is why an NFL team is going to be interested in Ryan Day and that's why Ryan Day has the Ohio State job because Urban Meyer brought him in. Urban Meyer and all those other guys ran the recruiting. Ryan Day is a very good recruiter himself but Urban Meyer knows at Florida he won national titles. How? With a good offense. At Ohio State, how do you win national titles? With a good offense, with Tom Herman. Tom Herman left. He needed another good play caller. Ryan Day got it. Look at Ohio State. You know, it's he, he can call plays. That's oh, what no, everybody he's values. Killer. Yeah, he's yeah. he's absolutely fantastic. His understanding of offense, his understanding of football. Um, he, you know, the the Chip Kelly pedigree and the cosigns that he got along the way. Uh, I my first encounter with Ryan Day is when he was at Boston College as an offensive coordinator and a quarterbacks coach. And even then, everybody was like, "Oh no, this this guy is different." Like he's mm -hmm. doesn't mean that every time he's a head coach, it's going to be successful. There are other pieces beyond being really sharp and really smart when it comes to offensive football in order to lead a team to championships and have those kind of expectations. But yeah, in all of those categories, there's 
there's no doubt about it in my mind that he is among the elite in not just the college level, but the pro level as well. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because there's a common trait amongst most of the best play callers on offense. And it's not all that different from playing cards. The aggressive play callers tend to be the best or tend to get the best results. It's the guys who are ultra conservative who tend to get fired. Steve Adazio. Mm -hmm. Cause I was just thinking about, um, you know, you said like urban Meyer, like tapped Ryan day, you know, and I was just thinking about James Franklin because with Brent Pry getting the job, that is, the third former James Franklin Penn State assistant. I mean, we could maybe trace this back to Vanderbilt. I don't know if we can or not. But when I think about Ricky Ronnie at Old Dominion, uh, obviously Joe Moorhead got the Mississippi State job. And now we have Brent Pry getting the Virginia Tech job. Um, Bud said this on the Cover 3 podcast where he says, you know, I think that when we see assistance from a head coach getting hired for other head coaching jobs, that should reflect positively on that head coach. And, uh, and I, I do think that when, when we look at uh, everybody that urban Myers had, it's like he saw Steve Adazio and he saw Dan Mullen. And then he saw, he was like, and he saw uh, Tom Herman. He saw Ryan day. Like he, he's seen the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of his tenure, he was like, no, I feel so confident in this offensive mind that I'm willing to give the, whole freaking program over to him. He can keep the player personnel director. He can keep the strength and conditioning coordinator. I'm just going to give him all of the keys to this right now. Like it's, it reflects positively on Ryan day. Like, yes, he was born on third base in the words of Jim Harbaugh, but I understand why. And I think there's validity in him being a, a candidate for NFL jobs. I will say this, like even if Ryan day was quote unquote born on third base, or if he's pinch running and he's put on third base, Still got to be on the team to be a, to be a pinch runner. Fair. And hey, listen, you pay your dues when you're that quarterback mm-hmm. coach at uh, Boston College. Yeah. When you're just working on the Chip Kelly staff in Philadelphia. I mean, come on. Um, all right. So as we look at the uh, the Notre Dame like position moving forward, do you know who they opened their season against? In I do. I believe it's Ohio State. In Columbus and Ohio State's where Marcus Freeman played college football. And to bring it all full circle, Marcus Freeman, you know who drafted him? No way. The Chicago Bears in 2009. Gosh. But he never played. And then I think he retired due to a heart condition, I think, in 2010. But he was a very good college player. I remember him from when he was at Ohio State. He was a very good linebacker there. Undersized, but just tough as hell. Um, That is, uh, you know, we talk about the different ways, like, if Notre Dame does make the college football playoff, is Cincinnati in the college football playoff? Is Marcus Freeman coaching Notre Dame against Luke Fickle in Cincinnati? Like, yes, there are some incredible potential situations. Do we think any of those are likely? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't that's, think so either. That's a boring answer, but no. I, I mean, it'll be fun if they are, but no. Um. So who do you who do you think right now gets the Oklahoma job? I think I ducked the question because I was looking up to see if the group the live chat was misleading me. There'd been so much smoke about Brent Venables for like that very first day, but that it might end up being him, but honestly, that just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um Gary Patterson's available. I don't know if that'd be interesting for Oklahoma or if he wants to jump kind of right back into a job like that, but he obviously knows the conference in that area, although they're going to be going to the SEC. 
Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought Mark Stoops could have been somebody that Bob was pushing hard for, but Mark just got the ex- the extension at Kentucky. And I kind of sometimes get the feeling with Mark Stoops that he's very happy in Lexington. And unless Iowa comes open at some point in the near future, Kentucky fans probably don't have to worry too much about him leaving. He got that contract extension. And the because his contract is so awesome, it wasn't even an extension. It was just giving him credit for a bowl win before he got it. Yeah. No, they're, he's happy he, there, and they're happy with him. He wins the game. He triggers the two-year extension. He'd already hit seven wins to get the one-year extension. And so, again, and, and so we remind everyone, every time that Mark Stoops gets seven wins in a football season with an eight-game SEC schedule and four non-conference games, one of them's against Louisville. They crushed them this year. But you win seven games as your Mark Stoops, it's worth about four million dollars. Yeah, I you know, you know that's an interesting name for Oklahoma that I don't think they could ever sell to the fan base, but I think that in this situation he would do better than at his previous situation. Tom Herman. Speaking of Ohio, former Urban Meyer play callers, like Tom Herman still knows how to call plays on offense. At Texas, there's so much other crap you have to deal with that I don't think you'd have to deal with at Oklahoma. I feel like everybody there pulls in the same direction. But I don't know if you could sell to the Oklahoma fan base, hey, let's hire the coach that Texas just fired. And by the way, do you know where Tom Herman's coaching right now? No. He's an offensive analyst for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> call is coming from inside the house mm-hmm. hell maybe tom herman's the next coach of the chicago bears so my here's my response to the brent venables fire we've been talking a lot on live cameras and also talking because we're friends and so i don't know which has been recorded and which hasn't but um my belief for the brent venables thing is just that he was available first Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going through the process like what we have we had his kid on social media with dj throwing the horns down and saying boomer we had uh, uh tony jefferson and other former players tweeting and saying like brent venables should be the guy you know you had uh joel clapp being like if brent venables is the answer for ou i think it's an awesome call and, and joel if you didn't tweet that i'm so sorry but i i swear i saw it and, and i could be wrong but all of this wave, I think, came around just like, well, yeah, they said who's available, and Brent was like, I can be on a plane tomorrow. We're good. We're not playing in the ACC championship. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if you're Brent Venables, you probably had this week cleared because you thought you were in the ACC championship, and so you know what you don't have is any vacations or family things that you have to go to. So Brent Venables was probably going. His kid probably knew. There was a bunch of wave of momentum and support. People around Oklahoma heard Brent Venables was coming to check in on the job. And and yeah, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of support behind that. And look, Marcus Freeman, clearly the support of players, soon to be former players, all and recruits also paid off in him getting the job. But I think Oklahoma is gonna wait until after the conference championship weekend check in with a few other coaches who were coaching this weekend before they go and make their hire. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like we were talking kind of earlier, like the at this point, I don't feel like you need to rush anymore. So I think it probably at this point, if I'm Oklahoma, I think the smarter approach probably is to just let's be deliberate about this 
and get the right guy instead of just maybe thinking, let's get somebody in here to just, you know, plug this, plug the hole in the ship right now. We haven't mentioned Dan Lanning, but he has come up a lot. Yeah. Uh, what about Jay Norvell? He used to, he was an assistant under Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. I, I would hire, um, I would hire Jay Norvell before I would hire Dan Lanning. I don't know. I think I like Jay Norvell and I think he's doing a good job at Nevada. But I feel like if I'm moving to the SEC, there might be a benefit in having a guy who has been learning under Kirby in, you know, a, a crash course in SEC-ness. So. I like Danny Canal for Oklahoma. I think that would be a great hire. I think that would be a fantastic hire. We've already turned out, uh, you know, Barton Simmons. Mm-hmm. We need to expand our, our tree podcast and and landed as the the best general manager in Vanderbilt football history. Also, I have heard like you know you've seen Lincoln Riley getting a hundred something. You see Brian Kelly getting a hundred something. I I have from a good source that Danny Cannell would do it for ninety million. <laughs> so you're saving like ten million right off the bat. That's not a good source. You just played his agent. He owes you 10% because your good source is, is your knowledge of Danny Canal. It's like, I feel bold enough. Yeah, but Bud Elliott for general manager at mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Yeah. I don't know if Maggie's down with Norman. I don't know. I think Bud would fit in just fine, though. Bud would be fine, but I I'm just Bud saying. Bud fits like, in anywhere. But if we've got the, like, you know, they live in Florida. I think her family's Louisiana. Like you, you got to look down your nose at Oklahoma, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about the interstate politics between Oklahomans and Louisianans. I don't know if there's beef there or not. Okay. I know there is with like, you know, Southeast Texas. Ooh. Okay. Um, anything else from the coaching carousel before we get out of here? I hope that we get a day without having to, do an emergency pod because we've got the locks pod tomorrow right (laughs) and then friday we've got conference championship games starting so i would appreciate it if teams just kind of waited till tuesday to make the next coaching decision (laughs) yeah i think that we are good on oklahoma for a little bit i think that manny diaz might be fine I heard there was reports yesterday that Manny Diaz was safe, in which my response was, well, yeah, duh, if they were going to fire him, wouldn't they have done it by now? Although it is Miami. Who knows? They might have just been really trying to, like, begging Mario to say yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm not totally bailing on Manny as safe until we get a couple days past the Pac-12 championship game. Probably wise. If If we get to, like, you know, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, you know, when we're sitting here with our uh, Army-Navy preview, then... Yeah, maybe maybe I'll say Manny's safe, but hey, Tyler Van Dyke, ACC Rookie of the Year. You know, you, you got the freshman movement, the new Miami. It's up and, and going. A, a promising freshman Miami quarterback. Surely this won't go wrong. I also, I also, <laughs> uh, on the coaching carousel note, I you you brought up Mike Houston for Duke, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I I've, think that'd be a great hire for Duke. I don't I know mean, if Mike Houston would take it though. I've been pushing it. Yeah, me neither. I, I've been pushing it into the ether recklessly in, in the uh, North Carolina radio waves. I was just like, I don't know. It, I don't. You look at the way that that uh, program has improved year over year. There's that is exactly what you would want from the mm-hmm. former James Madison coach who made a level jump, improved year over year over year. It's like, well, that so he's worth another level jump. I mean, you know who that is a lot like is Dave Clawson 
who kept continuing to make jumps mm-hmm. and doing the same thing over and over again. So I, yeah, again, there's no way to know for sure, but that's typically been a strong indicator for a coach's ability to have sex success, not like show up and win, you know, conferences and national titles, but to build a successful program. Yeah. Um, very interesting. So we, uh, of course, as Tom mentioned, we will be back with you Thursday, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time, youtube.com slash cover three. If you want to join in on our championship week locks, it is the final week for our competition, which means after one, six and one, your boys got to let it fly. Might, might have a pick on everything. It's just going to show up with 55 locks tomorrow. First half. <laughs> first half first half full game full game first half first half yeah you can follow him on twitter at tom brunell you can follow me at chip underscore patterson tom thank you very much thank you Perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.